passage in the Bible for Christmas. It's Isaiah chapter 9, and I'll be looking at two verses in verses 67. And essentially this morning I want to answer a question for us. It's a question that we all ask of ourselves in different ways at different times. It's a question that all human beings carry deep within us. It's a question that has been asked uh, for all of humanity since the beginning of time in different ways. It's asked by old people. It's asked by young people. It's asked by, by men. It's asked by women. It's asked by boys. It's asked by young girls. It's asked by every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every language, every situation, and every circumstance across the world for all of time. This is a question that sits within the heart of a human being. It's asked often philosophically, and sometimes it's asked most often in times of great pain or great lostness or in great despair. It's a question that goes along these lines. It's is and where can hope be found? Where can I find hope? And is there hope for me? And we ask this in different ways, maybe with different words, but the very essence of the human heart in our journey through life, we carry with us. And if in our quiet moments and in our moments of reflection, we find ourselves deep within us, wondering and asking, in this world, in my life, in what I see around me and what I experience on a daily basis, is there hope for me? What is my purpose here? And can there hope be found for us? And Christmas is this great reality. Christmas is this wonderful moment in time where hope can be found. The hope of the universe has now come and it finds its place in a little town in Palestine. This hope for all of humanity doesn't rest on the, on the shoulders of some well-known, mighty, famous, powerful king. It doesn't find its place in a wealthy, well-decorated, ornate palace. No, this, this question that we ask ourselves of where can hope be found, this hope is found in a rural town in the backwaters of Palestine, in a manger in Bethlehem. And this hope is resting on the shoulders of a baby. And Christmas and Christianity declares this wonderful truth, this astounding good news that hope can be found. That the, the human longing in our hearts that is there hope for me? Is there hope for you? And where can hope be found? There is this good news today that hope can be found. And it's found in a person. And it's found in a baby. And it's, it cannot be found anywhere else. If we're seriously honest with ourselves, if I'm seriously honest with myself and I reflect, I cannot begin to really believe that hope can be found within me. I know myself. And if you're serious about this and you're honest with yourselves and we look around in the world that we live amongst flawed people. I'm a flawed person. We live with flawed people. We cannot honestly come to the conclusion that hope can be found in the people around us. And we can't be serious about this living in the world that we live in and look at what we see happening on a daily basis and come to the conclusion ultimately that all hope can be found in the world around us. Surely not. It can't be found in governments. It can't be found in political parties or political ideologies or philosophies. We have to come to this conclusion that hope can't be found in changing our circumstance, changing our country, changing our vocation, changing our situation, changing our circumstance. It might help for a while, but truly that hope is only partial and incomplete. 
And as we reflect inwards and as we reflect outwards and we consider ourselves, as we consider the world around us and the people with which we live, we cannot seriously come to the conclusion that hope can be found in these things or in these people. And that hope, this Christmas story, is this claim that it truly does rest on the shoulders of a person. And without this person, the declaration of the Christian message, of the Christmas message, there is no hope to be had without this baby in a manger. And that's what the prophet in Isaiah is declaring in our verse today, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He claims, for us, to us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And this is the great message of hope that we celebrate today. This was a, a prophetic message at a time of great darkness. All hope had been lost, and all hope was being questioned. See, Isaiah was writing to the people of Israel, the, the personal people of God. Remember, God had chosen these people over everyone. He had delivered them out of slavery in Egypt, and he promised to be their God, and they would be his people, and they'd entered into this covenant of love and a covenant of relationship that had obligations. And out of that relationship, he promised to deliver them into the land that they would prosper. And through them, he would bring a hope to the whole world. He had promised Abraham all those years ago that he would have descendants as many as there are stars in the sky. There's this hope of life that would come to the world through these people. But they've lost their way in this moment. Darkness has descended. Society is falling apart. There is great injustice and oppression. The people have rejected God. They've disobeyed him. They've walked away in their own reasoning. They've said to God, we don't need you. In spite of all the grace that God had shown them. And society was falling apart. There was spiritual decay, there was emotional decay, there was relational decay. Everything was falling apart and dying. And there was this question going around, is there still hope for the people of Israel? Is there still hope for the people of God? The world around was looking in and the people of Israel were asking, they were facing an invasion by foreign powers to be taken away into slavery. And all hope has been lost, it seemingly looks like, that they have wandered so far that God has given up on them maybe. That they've given up on God. And there is this question, is there hope? And into this context, into this darkness, into this hopelessness, comes Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. These words of great hope. For to us a child is born. For to us a son is given. There is hope. And this hope is found in a person. And he's the only one who can save the hopeless. And those words aren't just spoken into that context. They are spoken for all eternity. They are spoken to the human heart. They are spoken to you and they are spoken to me. That there is hope to be found. And God enters into the world in the flesh to deal with the hopelessness that we suffer as a result of our sin. He doesn't send some theology. He doesn't send some methodology. He doesn't send some practical steps to redemption. God comes himself to save and seek the lost. That God alone becomes this hope of the world. The creator has come and he comes to redeem. He comes to reconcile. He comes to save. And we need to bed down this understanding that hope can be found. That as you long in your heart today, 
as you sense that searching, that there is hope. And that's why the angels sing, glory to God in the highest. That's why all of creation cries out for its right and its proper and its good, because God has come. God has come, and he is here. Hope has arrived. So you might be asking, then, how can we be so certain? How can we be so certain of this hope? Well, he tells us. The government will be on his shoulders. You see, in a manger, this baby is a mighty king. And he's a king that's going to rule. And it says the government will be on his shoulders. What he's telling us is that everything will be under his rule. Everything will be under his dominion and his authority and his power. This king is so great. His power is so vast. It extends over all of creation, over all of time and space. And that's an important thing that we have to grasp. And that's an important thing that gives us great hope this morning. You see, when I was growing up, there was a saying that uh, you can't write checks that you cannot cash. I don't know if we say that anymore. We've moved on from checks. I remember when I got my first bank account out of school, you got a checkbook. You didn't get a credit card, you got a checkbook and you got a bank card. And we always used to say, you can't write checks that you cannot cash. Your check is only as good as the cash in the bank. And the promises of God in this verse are only as good as his authority and power. The promises of God are only as good as the extent of his rule and his dominion and his authority. And if this king is not sovereign, if this king doesn't rule over everything, if if the government doesn't rest on his shoulders, how can I know? How can you know? That in every situation and in every location and in every circumstance of your life that there is hope to be found. But we can know that there's hope to be found because there is this promise that every place, every circumstance that you will ever go, that you will ever find yourself in, there is a king and he's reigning and he's ruling in his grace and his love. He has power and he has authority to deliver you from any and every situation. And he can do exactly what he has promised. The reality about God, this King Jesus, is that there isn't a pit so deep that Jesus isn't deeper. There is nothing that you can run far from or get outside of his rule. You can't dive deep enough to get outside of his rule. You can't climb high enough to get outside of his rule. And this is the foundational promise of hope that we have. That he has absolute authority and power and dominion over everything. The psalmist in Psalm 139 reflects on this wonderful truth. And it actually overwhelms him. Just this thought. He says here, you hem me in behind and before. And you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Too lofty for me to attain. This is God hems you in. God is all around you. Wherever you go, whatever you do, this ruling and reigning, gracious, loving king is there. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. What a wonderful truth. That everything rests on his shoulders. And the answer to our deepest questions is this King Jesus. There will always be hope to be found because everything rests in his hands 
and every location you find yourself in, he will be. What a wonderful king. And Isaiah says, this is, everything rests on his shoulders. And then he, he, he describes to us this king. It's this wonderful counselor. This is almighty God. This is everlasting father. There's this prince of peace. And I want us to reflect now on how this wonderful king on which everything rests comes in such a unique way that he gets to the depths of our hearts and resolves the deepest issues and questions that we have. And Christmas is this good news that this hope can be found in this person and that he is the only one who can resolve what is going on inside of us. No program, no person, and no thing. So he says, wonderful counselor. How can that be such good news to us? Well, we have to reflect for a moment and ask ourselves the question, what does sin do? What does sin do to us? What does sin do to the world? Sin makes fools of us. Sin deceives us. Sin blinds us. Sin distorts us. Sin leads us astray. Sin doesn't enable us to understand things fully and clearly. We as humans don't see the world properly. We see it inside out and upside down. Sin blinds us to the reality of the truth. See, at the beginning in Genesis, when we see God in his creation, what we have is one moral authority. There is one voice that you get to listen to. You're not left in the Garden of Eden wondering about whether this is true or not. You're not left wondering whether I believe the right thing or not. You're not being confused with multiple things to distort the truth. You have the one perfect, clear, loving voice of God. And then sin enters the world through Satan, through the serpent. And what does he say? He casts doubt. He brings deception. He brings lie. Is that true? Can you trust this God? And that opened the floodgates. And ever since, these thousands and millions of voices vying for your attention and the longings of your heart and your deep desires to confuse you and ultimately lead you astray, that you live in a world that is constantly confused. You live in a world with so many voices. And you're left wondering what is true. And we lose our way. Ultimately, humanity lost its way. And what we need is some wisdom. What we need is some truth. And wisdom isn't first an outline. Wisdom first isn't a book. Wisdom is a person called Wonderful Counselor. He is the ultimate source of truth. The Bible tells us the truth will set you free. The Bible constantly speaks of that we're left in darkness. And then the light has come. The truth that will lead you into all life. And that what we need is the Spirit of God to guide us in all faithfulness. What we need is the Spirit of God to give us discernment and to understand what is true. What we need is God's wisdom and guidance of his truth. The creator showing his creation how they were created to live and walk in step with him to truly know life in the fullness of what it was intended to be. And if you look around you in the world today, you have to come to this conclusion that there's confusion, right? Some of the greatest questions that come up when it comes to faith and life, anyone will always say, how can you be certain? How can, you be, how can it be true? How do you know? There's doubt. Anything that has a tinge of absolute truth to it is questioned. My truth is my truth. Your truth is your truth. We get to create our own truth. Can you see that there's this distortion? And where's that got us? We cannot claim today, if we look around us in the world, that things work properly. 
There must be some sense of absolute truth. And even when you claim to have your own truth, or even if you claim that there is no absolute truth, you've just made an absolute truth claim. We all agree that there is absolute truth. And what absolute truth are you following? And what we need is the truth that leads to life. What we need is a wonderful counselor. And that wonderful counselor, his name is Jesus. We don't need a philosophy. We don't need a new approach. What we need is a counselor to lead us out of the confusion. What we need is a counselor to lead us out of the darkness into the light. And what we need is the truth. And we need the truth of Jesus. The Bible tells us that the word became flesh. That's Jesus. And the word is the truth of Jesus. And in Christmas today, we have this great hope. That if you find yourself lost or confused in life, if you find yourself wondering and questioning where can hope be found, the good news this morning is that there's a counselor here, a wonderful counselor who comes to bring the truth. And he loves you and he longs to set you free. And his truth is given to bring life and joy. It's a wonderful counselor. And this king... He's not only a wonderful counselor, it says he's a mighty God. And we can be filled hope, we can have excitement because he's a mighty God. Why? Well, what does sin do to us? Sin cripples us. Sin weakens us. Sin disables us. We're unable to do what we should. We can't. We are weak and sin is powerful. All the time we intend to do what is right and we end up often doing what is wrong. If we're honest with ourselves, that's true. Like, I'm not going to say something in this situation. And I, and I find myself saying it. I did that this week. I'll share now. Ended in a beautiful fight on the beach with my wife. There's moments where you don't want to lust or covet, but you find yourself coveting and desires and images. And there's moments where you don't want to envy, but you find yourself envying and wanting. There's moments where you profess to be a follower of Jesus, but then you suddenly find yourself constantly pursuing other pleasures and other gods that lead you astray the reality is that we have to come to the conclusion that we are weak and we are unable we are spiritually unable to save ourselves we are physically unable we are emotionally unable there's an old saying that if you think you're in shape have you ever run to catch a bus recently then you will know have you ever run to catch a taxi recently i found out this week when i was playing with my five-year-old on the beach that extra yard to catch the frisbee is just not there anymore and those guys that you look at who hobble a bit to catch, the flexibility is not there. If you think you're all sufficient, your time will come. Your moment of truth will arrive when you realize that we're insufficient, that we're unable, that we are physically, emotionally, and spiritually weak. And what we need is an almighty, powerful God, the only one who can save us from the hopelessness that we find ourselves in. I need help. We all need help. An example of our weakness, as I said, my wife and I had a slight disagreement while sitting on the beach, looking at the view, enjoying life, watching our kids, and things turned horribly foul very quickly, as they tend to do sometimes. And I left that conversation realizing I need help. That I'm unable to love my wife in the way she needs to be loved. I'm unable to love her in the way she needs to be loved. And deep within my heart, I was confronted with the reality that I'm selfish. 
I was confronted with the reality that I don't have it within me to love and serve her and love and serve my children in the way they should be loved. I found myself saying, God, help me. I'm messing this thing up. She has told me some deeply profound things about herself and me, and I realized that the problem is deep within me. Lord, I need the love. I was reminded of the prayer of Jesus in John 17. What does Jesus pray? Jesus says, Father, he prays to his God. He says, the love that you have for me, I pray it will be in them, my followers, that they might love one another. See, we're weak. I'm unable to love and serve in the way that I should. And in our moments of true honesty and realization in our humanness, we are confronted with that truth, that we are hopeless, spiritually unable, that we are enslaved by our sin, we are limited by our physical abilities, and we are finite human beings. And we need an almighty, eternal, powerful God, a God who dies, a God who confronts sin that brings death, a God who gives us his life that we might live with eternal life now and forever. And as I reflected this week, I realized... Deep down inside, if I'm honest, my life is a testimony of a need for strength that I do not have. My life is a testimony of, stre- of a need for strength that I do not have. But there is good news. And there is hope that there is a mighty God and he's come in all-consuming power to save, deliver, set free, and make new for all eternity. And if you find yourself this morning hopeless feeling that you've come to the end of your ability, be it your emotion, be it your physical strength, be it the end of your spiritual knowledge and understanding, be it just at the end of the road, overwhelmed and overcome, there is hope because there is one who comes to save, an almighty God. It's good news. He's an everlasting father. What does sin do to us? Well, sin ultimately alienates. Sin separates us from God. That's what happens. Sin breaks us apart from God. And God is what? He's the very source of life. He's the creator and the giver of life. And life is found in relationship to him. And we find, if we go back to the Garden of Eden, God comes down to walk with Adam and Eve. He comes to be with his creation, the very essence and pinnacle of his creation, humanity. And what do we find? They're hiding in fear. And it's a tragedy that is lost on us. Humanity was made in the image of God. We were made to thrive in relationship with God. The very essence of who we are cannot be discovered and known apart from the creator. And we were made to love him, serve him, obey him, and worship him. And life is found in relationship to God. And what we find, sin has separated us. Sin has alienated us. And we are lost. And there's a gaping hole within all human hearts. That's the question we carry with us. Is there hope to be found? It's as if we are driving in our diesel truck and we keep putting petrol in the engine it keeps spluttering it doesn't function it doesn't work we've been alienated and separated from the very source of life and we live in this reality that deep within we feel this deep within we know this we might not concede it but it's there that something has been lost something is incomplete and here we have this wonderful truth of an everlasting father. There is a father who's come to find his lost children. He's come to adopt and make them his own, that you might have the full inheritance 
of all the riches of his blessing. There's a father who has come at Christmas to wrap his arms around you in the fullness of his love. His desire, as Paul says in Ephesians, is I pray that you would comprehend the full dimensions of God's love, its widths, its heights, its depths, its fullness, that you might be full to the full measure. That you might know this Christmas morning that there is a father that comes to protect you. There's a father that comes to heal you. There's a father that comes to guide you. There's a father that comes to mature you. There's a father that comes to love you. And the depth of his love is this, that we would know that if everyone in the world would forsake us, we would not be alone because our heavenly father has loved us. The heavenly father has come to demonstrate his love. If you ever doubted, here he is in the flesh. And it would be impossible to know ever to be alone again because of his love. It would be impossible ever to be loveless. It's impossible ever to be rejected. It's impossible ever to be alone because the eternal, everlasting Father has come to love, care, satisfy, provide, and protect his children. And that's the wonderful news this morning, that a king has come. An everlasting father full of love and grace and mercy who knows you. He knows you this morning. He knows the depths of your heart. He knows your deepest desires, your greatest longings, your deepest hurts and pains. And there is a healing, gracious, good love that has come. It is the only one, the only person, and the only love that can heal and satisfy. There is good news this morning. That we are in need of a father. Again this week, I was standing in the waves watching my son Joshua, five years old, and it just struck me. He would constantly look around to see where I am. He's in need of a father. He's in need of assurance. He's in need of love, of of a guarantee that it's okay. He can go a little bit further into the waves. And he's screaming and shouting, look at me, look at me. And it's wired into us, and humanity has lost its father. And there is this good news that you might be caught back in. That you might live with great peace, with great assurance, with great hope. That there is a loving father looking over you. He's standing in the waves watching you swim. No matter how strong the rip of the current might be, his powerful hand holds you to care for you and look over you. This is Christmas. There is an everlasting father. And then he says there's a prince of peace. Sin causes massive confusion. Causes massive conflict. It breaks things in the universe. Nothing operates in the way that it should. And there is a brokenness that exists in me and there's a brokenness that exists in every human. And we don't operate and live the way that we should. Just have to look around and you'll see the brokenness. And this word peace here is the Hebrew Hebrew word shalom. And shalom isn't just the absence of conflict or war. Shalom is, in essence, it's everything operating in the way it was meant to be operated. Everything operates according to the way it was made. Everything is in right relationship. That humanity would be related and connected back to God. Therefore, that humanity in relation to God then can relate to one another. That creation is in relation perfectly to God. And that's what God says. I've come to bring peace. I've come to make all things new. That great promise at the end of the Bible. That when Jesus fully and finally returns, he promises peace. Shalom. Everything will be made right. The brokenness that you know of. The brokenness that you experience. The brokenness that you see. You have hope this morning that this is not all there is. 
This is just the beginning of an eternity of shalom. That you will be made right. That you will be healed. That you will be set free. And the longings and the pains and the cries of the oppressions, the injustices and the unrighteousness that we see around us in the world today will be made right. The Prince of Peace comes with a great and awesome promise. That we can look forward with hope in the midst of brokenness that you might have wholeness. And then he guarantees this, this this king on whom everything rests, this wonderful counselor, this mighty God, this everlasting father, this prince of peace, gives us a promise in verse 7. You see, this isn't wishful thinking. This is a guaranteed expectation. Verse 7, he says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. This promise of this coming king in Christmas, who's come in this way, will last forever. That you and I can get to live in this. And if you doubt the truth and the validity of it, he's already come. This promise was made thousands of years ago. It was made before Jesus was born. And Jesus' birth at Christmas is the fulfillment of this promise. If you're doubting that God is able and willing and will fulfill his promise, he already has fulfilled his promise. He says, I've come and I will come again. And I'm coming with peace. I'm coming with everlasting love. I'm coming in almighty power to make things right. And I'm coming to lead you into the wholeness of life and its truth. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. He puts his stamp of authority and guarantee. This, what I've promised, will never end. And I will personally make it happen. That God doesn't send someone else. God doesn't send us a book of instructions. God comes himself to guarantee our future. So what is the message then this morning? I want us just to know again that in this child Jesus in a manger, he has come to meet the deepest areas of need in our hearts. The deepest longings and the deepest questions you may have in whatever circumstance, whatever location, whatever relationship you might be in, wherever you might find yourself, there is hope to be found. And that hope is found in this person. And he's the only one who can resolve the hopelessness that we live in. You see, because in our foolishness, wisdom has come. Wonderful counselor. In our weakness, strength has come. There's a powerful, mighty God. In our alienation, love has come. There's an everlasting father. In our brokenness, shalom has come. There's a prince of peace that you might get up today and be refreshed with your family as you celebrate, that hope might be renewed, hope might be restored, or you might receive hope for the first time today, that in the chaos of the world that we live, the deep longing of my human heart, the deep searches that I have and wondering about my own existence and my own need, is there hope to be found? Is there hope in this world? And the answer is yes. Hope has come. And hope is answered in Christmas. For unto us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And his government will never end. And the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. It's guaranteed. Father, we pray and we give you thanks that this morning there is hope to be found, that you took on flesh, 
and you suffered the brokenness of this world, that you were willing to hang on a cross, that you were willing to die in our place, and you were willing to rise again to give us hope and life, that this would be our reality. And we ask this morning that by your spirit, you would help us, that we would stop looking for hope anywhere else other than the hope that is found in you. Would you show us afresh today, in, throughout the day, the realization that hope cannot be found in another location. Hope cannot be found in another vocation. That hope cannot be found in another relation. Hope cannot be found in a change of circumstance. That hope is found in you. The wonderful counselor. The mighty God. The everlasting father. The prince of peace. Amen.